0: welcome to through the mist with me your host Ian. this is a void and theory podcast where we will look at the law and try to understand how it all works in this episode we'll be looking at the land beyond the welcome 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 hey guys welcome back this is a, a new episode yeah been a while it's been like a month or so it's Just over, probably and only one more month until the last ever book comes out in this universe. Well, unless he decides to make more, but you know, probably not. I hope everyone's had a good, uh, good August. Percy's birthday was this last month, so I have a birthday purse. Yeah, I went on holiday, so I didn't do any research or anything. Spent a good time up in Wales, had fun, climbed Snowden, you know or the usual but while i was up there i did read, read, read through the king chronicles again and i just want to just need to state some things okay just i need to get some things off my chest about these books <laughs> and uh, this is this this is the platform i'm going to do it because why not hey so yeah first first thing for, i need to mention is uh, sadie and her ribena so Ribena, for people that don't know, is a black currant squash. And for people that don't know what squash is, it's an extremely concentrated juice that you put in, and then you add some water. But reading the reading those books, I realised that old Uncle Rick is on about the shop bought stuff. And if you like Ribena, you're not getting the shop bought stuff. It's weird. I I've now imagined Sadie having maybe having a load of they uh, put out Robinsons did Robinsons put out I think Robinsons maybe Ribena have done it. So they put out these little. Chinese juice squash things you can take with you and go <laughs> and you squirt it in and out of wood, your water flavour <laughs> your uh, water. But like, come on, that's not how you take vibina. If you're British, back me up, please, because you know that if you like vibina, you do not take it from the shop bought one. Shop bought one is uh, is not the best version of vibina. Last time I tried shop bought vibina, I thought it was too weak. So you know that's uh, that's me. Other shout out I want to do is uh, he shouts out Swindon. Uh, in the books, uh, good old Swindon, that's my, I suppose, my hometown, oh, it's the closest town, it's not really anything special, but its its uh, it's got a massive railway history past, which is my other passion, railways, um, well, uh, but it's, uh, he shouts out, because it's, uh, I think, Sadie's at one point, like, it could be any town, like, Swindon versus Manchester, now, I, I know Rick has been to Swindon, because that's where, how I got my book, my first book, was, Because Rick did a conference in Swindon to a load of teachers, one of them being my mum. She brought the book home. I read the book. I've been infatuated with the series. Um, So I know he's been to Swindon. And he's probably also been to Manchester. Now, they're two very different places. Swindon is throughout a dump and has very little skyscrapers. Manchester, I've been into Piccadilly. So I haven't really been to Manchester, but I've been to Piccadilly. And uh one, it's got trams. Two, I'm pretty sure the city centre isn't a wasteland where there's just massive brownfield sites waiting to get built on again. And three, it's got taller skyscrapers and more of them than Swindon. Swindon is it's done. You will if you saw the difference between Swindon and Manchester, you would know which one you were in. Okay? Basically that's it. You might have a really complicated roundabout in Swindon. Ooh, ooh, magic roundabout. But Manchester, it, you will know the difference. They're very different places, okay? Yeah. Also, I've, uh, I've put together a little map of uh, Sadie's, of all the locations in London that in the Cane Conners tours take place, because as I said, I'm kind of infatuated with railways and it talks about the transport and stuff like that, and whoever t- who decide, and Mr. Dr. Kane decides to take a stupid taxi from Heathrow to basically canary wharf is absolute in just uh, why makes no sense (laughs) that will cost you like 400 quid or something stupid i don't know london prices and taxi would take forever just jump on the jubilee then no on the piccadilly then you jump on the jubilee and you're in canary wharf what's that hard also i think at some point he mentions canary wharf is a small station it is not a small station it is quite a big station uh but you know whatever um yeah uh, i put a little map together of all the locations including sadie's house because like there's not many places it could be the the majority of the thames is not as nor- northern and southern banks uh, she's on an eastern bank somewhere i think would, yeah eastern banks yes on an eastern bank somewhere then this is very easy to pinpoint, and her nearest tube station is Clay Wharf. There's, like, the Isle of Dogs, and that's about it. That's where she lives. It's the only place she can live. Um, so, yeah, I've got that, which I'll post to Instagram, at through underscore mist. Uh, if you want to go follow that, check everything out. Uh, also, uh, while I'm uh, plugging... Some- plugging that stuff uh there's an email address through.t.mist at gmail.com if you want to get in touch uh with any theory ideas you have or report back with oh in that that idea was terrible you could come up with better stuff than this or you know just general general fun chinwaggy or even like oh yeah that's a good idea but what about this as well and if you send it through Maybe we'll talk about it uh, in another episode. <laughs> right then, let's get on to talking about the gods. Yeah, okay. So, the land beyond the gods—that is the topic for today's episode. And when I say the land beyond the gods, if you hadn't read, who uh, son, as I like to say, <laughs> which is uh, here is Olympus, son of Neptune. Then you will have no idea what I'm on about. But I'm on about Alaska. Uh yeah. We're gonna try and come up with a reason for why Alaska is the land beyond the gods. Is it just his is there any historical reasons or is it just just purely thematic? And by the end of this, hopefully you'll see why I decided in the last episode. So I, I came up with this idea after recording the last episode and I made this that we're, and I had that tangent and made that off comment. You get there, and, um, and why Scotland was mentioned last episode as maybe being Alaska or the land beyond the gods. Uh, if you don't know British history, then you know it's fun, fun time. Might find something out. Yeah. So, where to start? Let's start with Alaska and its history. Okay. Why is it now part of the states? It, it to be honest, this seems like a very complicated political history, and I, well, that's, I don't know much about it. I did some research. This is what I came up with. So, off clearly Alaska. If you just look at a map of the world, it is very obvious that humans first arrived in the Americas. That's the continents of the Americas, rather than the actual. Country came across via Alaska for a land bridge that would have been connected to Russia. I think Russia gets that far. Um, Then I'll look at a map. Yeah, probably Russia or Asia. We'll just call it Asia. Um, And they walked across and they settled in Alaska and slowly worked their way down, all the way down to what is now Argentina in South America. So it is thought that some trade was done with some of the southern Alaskan tribes with Asia prior to any. European, uh, mean, Russian being European, uh, influences uh, of discovery of the Americas occurred, um, which makes sense. They aren't that far away. If you go far enough north, I feel like you should be able to uh, occasionally, on a very clear day, see the <laughs> Alaska, but who knows. Um, written history of Alaska starts when a uh, between seventeen, th- when in seventeen thirty-three, when it became part of the Russian territory and part of what it was known as Russian America, which and it was like that between seventeen thirty-three and eighteen sixty-seven, and on the first of uh, August eighteen sixty-seven, Russia sold the territory because it couldn't uh, work out how to pay. No, how, yeah, it wasn't making the money. It was it was just a loss because it was a massive land mass. They sold it to the U.S. For seven point two million US dollars, sold to the US then, because they didn't think it would make money, and then through, through time it found, they found um, people found oil and something else in Alaska. I can't remember what, and then it was a big money pot. So they kept it. Fun, fun little thing I th- saw when I ran it the day before the US flag was flown in there, which was uh, Friday the eighteenth of October, eighteen sixty-seven was another friday october the sixth so you had it was friday the sixth and the next day it was friday the 18th of october and that was due to the two things one they changed calendars to the gregorian and the date line also shifted Uh, so it was in the same time days day night cycle as the rest of the states i guess so yeah, there was a lot of political changes. Like it was a territory and something else and something else and something else before officially becoming a state on January the third, nineteen fifty nine. So that was a long time of being owned by the U.S., but not really being part of the U.S. I guess. I guess it's a bit like uh, maybe us in Gibraltar, maybe Jersey and Guernsey for us. It's a bit. I guess it's a bit like that, where they're territories more than part of it itself that's basic alaskan history and i looked at that and went okay um is there any clear reason to alaskan history why it would be the land of the gods and it's it looks a little mucky i mean it it follows to my understanding it follows a rather weird route to become a state so maybe it doesn't have a higher concentration of uh western Roman Grecian culture so the gods themselves don't have a solid hold in there as it, as it originally was Russian and then for that uh, the, would be the natives whereas other places like Canada which is the obvious question when you say why is Alaska why Alaska isn't Canada is is within the gods realm Frank and maybe that's because Canada had a high influx Canada's was created from French and English uh, colonists it is Alaska was originally Russian colonists so maybe that's why but yeah it's not it's not I don't feel like it's solid enough so I went to Scotland, theory. Scotland theory. yeah so. While I was researching this Scotland theory, uh, I may have had been sidetracked a little bit because, and I'm going to talk about said sidetrack now, because I enjoyed it. I enjoy the sidetrack. It was fun. I, I, and I don't know where else to tell people about this information I've learned. So I'm going to talk to you lot. So Roman Britain was also known as Britannia. And that was the area of the British Isles that was under Roman rule. It it modernly equivalents to Wales, all of southern England, and most of northern England. Uh, And then you get to the borders where they shifted between England and Scotland throughout time, and it gets a bit weird about where Roman Britain was compared to uh, England-Scotland border divide now. But Britannia isn't just the name of the... The Isles, and that's where Britain comes from. Is why makes sense. I I, I got sidetracked because it's also the name of a goddess, the personification of Britain itself. But I, I, it's really hard to see if there's any clear origins of the goddess. It was struggled, but far as I can tell, it was definitely Roman origin. But then things happened, and I'm not sure how much of our modern idea of her. Is linked to the Roman idea of her. Um, so yeah, she was a Roman goddess called Britannia, and now in the modern times she's usually depicted holding a trident, a shield depicting the flag, uh, usually the, the slightly older flag when the Union of Crown happens, and an olive branch. Hey, eh? olive branch? Why is there an olive branch? What's that have to do with anything? The olive branch comes from her roman origins as minerva which and if uh if, if you yeah, if you've listened to this you should know minerva was athena eh, eh. so but here's is the question is the question that i'm gonna throw to you guys and see if you can come back to the answers with me it's if if britannia was in the rick roiden books how would her family tree be <laughs> How would she have been born? Would she have just appeared? Would have she? Would she? Is she part of Athena, uh, Minerva? Is is she another personality within that goddess, or is she her own goddess herself? That after a while, maybe like split from Athena, I know like like you know how cells divide. She became so big, but also so separate from her origin as Athena that. She got ripped apart off her. I don't know. Yeah, as I said, like that's the only bit that kind of links to her past. I can because the shield depicting the flag and the trident. That's not very Minerva or Athena at all. So, but that it's hard to tell when what bits of our of our version of her is the same as the Roman version of her. The olive branch is probably the key outlier and constant between both. Um, yeah, so the idea came back into the modern world with Elizabeth I, First. Um, one of the first around, she brought the a strong female leader that brought back Britannia. And by the time of James the Fourth of Scotland slash First of England um, being crowned, it kind of settled. And he and with the uh, union of the crowns and the start towards the push towards the Act of the Union. Where the two governments of England and Scotland became one, um, and, how create, and when he created the new flag, I think it was him that created the flag, which is the Saint George's and Saint Andrew's cross on top of each other, um, or the English and Scottish flags on top of each other, um, which became the flag on a shield. Like so, he has some stuff to do with it, and then. But by the time James Tars II came, it was, and she was put on the coins, hey, the tails of his coins she's kind of been on the 50p ever since I've been alive um, yeah so that's that she was settled in what is her modern form so how much had changed between Roman, Elizabeth I and Charles 2nd I'm not sure not sure when bits came in It's it, 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 it doesn't seem like a very researched thing um, or if it is it's deep in a book somewhere and not on the internet <laughs> um, and i do internet research because i'm a modern human um that doesn't go to libraries especially not in climes like this um yeah so britannia was a goddess and if yeah and i'm gonna throw the question out to you of how if she was in the verse, how would she she's a roman goddess how would she fit into the world? Would she be a separate goddess to Minerva? Would she be part of Minerva? Slash Athena? Like, How does that all work? I'm going to throw that question to you guys, and you can come back to me, hopefully, with an answer. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'll get back to the original idea of this, which is the lamp on the gods now. Okay, we'll just run some music and then we'll go back Yeah, so Roman Britain. <laughs> Go back to Roman Britain. Britannia uh, is the place. Um, so uh, Britain was first invaded in forty in forty three A.D. under the orders of Emperor Claudius, and by around one hundred A.D., Romans had conquered the southern half of Britain. So modern, basically, modern Wales and England. Yeah, so basically that area of the world had been conquered then. But what really uh, I'm focusing on here with uh, Scotland, or the what is now the area of Scotland, being beyond the gods, comes down to these two walls that were built during the Roman times. So when the Romans tried to conquer Caledonia, as they called it, not Scotland, hence the Caledonia sleeper, the sleeper train that goes from London and then around Scotland, uh, yeah, like I said, I like trains. Um, they have never, they, they never really made it much further north than the 4th and Clyde. So, after raids and etc., and they were a bit further north of the Forth and Clyde area, they Romans uh, retreated back to uh, a defensive line that would become Hadrian's Wall. So, Hadrian was a Roman emperor that. Either during or before his tour of Britain, he ordered the construction of a wall along this defensive line at around uh, 112 AD, and this wall uh, went between the Tyne and the Solway Firth. So if you get up a map, uh, you can see all these places. uh, The the Tyne is now basically Newcastle, (laughs) because the full name of Newcastle, Newcastle? Is it, uh, Newcastle upon Tyne? Well, that was a terrible... Ugh, ugh, Geordie accent. Anyway, basically, Newcastle almost directly across the country to Solway Firth, and that became the first, like, major border that separated what would become England from what would become Scotland. Um, but not much longer after that, uh, the, uh, the new emperor, An- Antoni, uh, Antony... Antony, 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 and I, I've... I've just read that word properly for the first time. Have you ever do that when you're reading a book or something? And you read a word. I do it a lot with these books. And you read a word, but you never say it. It's just, that is the word. But like, that's the first time I've said Anthony. And I'm going to go with Anthony. Anthony, and that was wall, which was built in 142 AD. And that went back up northwards and formed a defensive line between the 4th and Clyde, where, they, where the Romans had kind of originally settled however it was abandoned six years after its completion and then retreated back to hadrian's rule and the romans i think made raids for north occasionally um but they never made it they never made solid footing further than hadrian's rule and hadrian's rule was built in a time where there was a lot of in rome itself there was a lot of disturbances and around egypt there were uh, rebellions and stuff, and we haven't even talked about the British rebellions because I just wanted to get to the wars really quickly. Which means they never really made it into Scotland, so their never their influence never made it that far north. And that is kind of my reasoning for saying Scotland would be Alaska because it's beyond the gods because it's they, their influence never made it that far. They can never invade there, so they can never pass their ideas on there over time yes their ideas would have made it to scotland because uh both of the union of crowns the act of the union and the fact it was so embedded in british history uh specifically english history and welsh history that it would have more english with exeter bath uh london being londonian the original Roman, uh, roman capital chester and places like that i think chester Definitely extra Bath and London, though, um, being very, being first settled by Romans, Bath, having the baths, um, and all that stuff. And then when the cultures start to mix a bit more, uh, after they stop warring so much, um, then, you know, the acts that, that their culture can get there. There would be, there's this place in history where they never got that far. There's other borders, but this is the most this is the northerly border of the Roman Empire, is Hadrian's Wall, effectively, and so maybe Alaska is Scotland, because so it's, like it's the most northerly parts of their respective landmasses, oh, this, this is another, oh, bleh, I'll finish this, um, they're both northerly parts of their respective landmasses, except Canada with Scotland, Canada in North America, I'm pretty sure that goes, has some further north stuff in it, but doesn't it might not count because it's part of? It's not part of the actual United States. And like I said, maybe it's a mixture of everything. Maybe it's maybe is the influences of gathered. Maybe it's the historical fact of that. Maybe maybe it's specifically the Romans. God don't gods don't have that much influence up in Alaska. Maybe the Greek gods have a little more because they never really Greeks never really had an empire. Um, they kind of just had. They weren't, the Greeks never really had an empire because they never really were one people. Um, <laughs> they're mostly either city states or part of Sparta, part of Athens empires. Um, yeah, so maybe it's a mixture of everything, but I feel like, in my heart, I feel like Alaska and its weird relation to the US about how it started, how it ended up joining, how it was sold from Russia. And the fact that Scotland in Britain and history of the Roman Empire was never conquered—it just, ne- just, they just never could. They attempted it; they never got that far. Alaska being a bit like uh, very spread out and stuff, it means that their influence there isn't great. It's that weird mix of all the stuff. That- So that's everything for this episode I guess. But before I do the wrap-up thing, you know Bobby, just wanna mention a couple of things that uh another thing that irritated me when I was researching Alaska and something that you might find interesting to look at. So the irritating thing is uh, that Alaska is stated as the most northerly no, not northerly, scrap that, most westerly and easterly points in the United States. I'm sorry, but yes, it might be uh, have the most easterly latitude and westerly latitude of the United States. Is the 360 degree line goes through it, but doesn't mean it's the most easterly, westerly. Never eat shredded easterly point of the states because if you're measuring the states, you go from the centre of the states. You don't use the latitude and longitude lines. That's that's not how you measure east and west of things. You don't use latitude and longitude lines. Latitude and longitude lines were invented to help sailors and just map out the world. It's it's you don't use latitude lines to measure the most easily place of somewhere. I mean, it's a technicality that you could say it's the most easily place, but no, it is a concept. It's just a direction, ninety degrees, uh, clockwise of north. West is ninety degrees anti-clockwise of north. That's the concept of them, and they touch each other. So it's not the most. I just that, that irritated me uh, on a deep level. But the fun thing that you might want to go watch is like a five-six minute video on YouTube uh, by Jay Foreman under Map Men, and it's the world oldest border. And it's a fun look into the English and Scottish border. If you want to find out more, I would suggest go watching that. And how uh yeah so it's the world old world's oldest border and it's uh, it's on a, it's a series called map men on jay foreman's youtube channel he's got a load of other interesting stuff i think uh, about uh mainly british stuff because british and learning stuff so yeah. if you're into that go pop over there. have a look but right yeah that's everything up time to run the outro this theory. If you have any comments on this theory or theories of your own that you want me to discuss, email them through to foo.t.mist at gmail.com, or you can follow the Instagram at foo underscore mist. Uh, follow the podcast, like the podcast, rate the podcast, do all the things that you can to promote the podcast. Uh, I've been Owen. Come back next time as we try to see who the mist for <laughs>